For anybody who is out there who doesn't know who I am, my name is Meg, I'm married to the vicar, Mark, and um, it's wonderful to be here, wonderful to be able to talk um, and learn a bit more about God with you this evening. Um, without getting all soft and sentimental, um, just wanted to say that we really really love being here. You are a very, very extraordinary group of people and um, it's been so good to get to know you and to be welcomed by you. And I was just thinking about the subject that I'm going to be talking about and just thinking if, if what I've experienced of being here is good, how much more good is our God? How much more good is our heavenly loving Father. And we're going to be thinking about that um, today. Before I read the passage, um, I was just going to do a very quick um, read of Galatians 5, the passage of um, the fruit of the Spirit. We're looking at goodness um, and um, it's a beautiful description. And as I, as I read the, these descriptions of who God is, they're, they're words, they're, they're very conceptual words, what we're talking about tonight and sometimes very difficult to put our English meanings um, to make sense of them but if you can imagine as I describe these words it's like a stick of rock and wherever you break that stick of rock you've always got exactly the same words inside there there is no place within that rock where it's different God is consistent all the way through you will not find anything different and I I just want you to kind of hold that up as we're um, learning a bit more so Galatians 5 by the fruit of this but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So that's just like our little overview. So we live by the Spirit. We're called to live by the Spirit, which is why we ask the Spirit to come and help us to make sense of all these uh, big ideas. So the passage um, that I'm speaking on um, is from Exodus 33. If you wanted to follow it, I don't know what number it is in the Bible, but it's weird. Starting at verse 12. If anyone can find it, that would be very helpful. It's the second book of the Bible. Has anyone got a number? 88. Okay, on page 88. Okay, so I'm just going to read it. We're going to read from 12 to... 23. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. 
How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Okay. Goodness is a funny word. We use it all the time. That donut was good. That film was good. That neighbour down the road, she's always doing really lovely things for people. She's, she's a good person. Those do-gooders over there. We, we, it's, a, it's a word that we use all the time in our language. And yet, in our kind of society that we live in at the moment, goodness has been undermined hugely. I don't know if you've kind of noticed in film and book and, you know, in our culture that this sort of idea that there is no ultimate good. You know, everything's just is what it is. Bit of good, bit of bad. Our heroes are often, you know, deeply flawed people. And we often overlook how incredible it is that our God, our Father God, is and always will be utterly 100% good all the time. And we say that thing in the Anglican Church, um, God is good all the time all the time okay and it, it, it's something that we have to constantly um, be reminding ourselves we have to guard our hearts because there's so much stuff out there that kind of uh, often chips away very slowly uh, uh, whether we totally believe that God is good all the time and when bad stuff happens, it's incredibly difficult to believe that God is good. But he is good. His word says that he's good. There are, there are so many passages in the Bible that talk about God's goodness, and I'll, I'll probably read a couple of those a little bit later. But God is good, and he's good all the time. It's really interesting with this passage when... Moses is wanting God to come and show himself to him, his whole glory. And obviously God can't show the whole of who he is. He can't show him his face. He's too powerful. He's too big a weight for Moses to bear. But he chooses to show himself from, from the back. But I, I, I think it's an amazing picture. Moses is a, a, you know, one of our massive important leaders in the Bible. And God cho- chooses over all things 
to show him his goodness. Why, why would God show his goodness? Why, why is that so important? And so much of that is wrapped up in being able to get on and do the stuff that we are called to do as a people of God when we know and we fully trust that God is who he says he is. And I think one of the problems is that we allow things over time to build up where we consciously or unconsciously have started to believe um, little bit by bit that God isn't good. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home, and it wasn't until I met Mark that I actually really knew anybody who was a Christian. Mark was backsliding at that time, but there was, you were, but there was something, there was something different about Mark that I had not come across before. And then when I went on to meet his family again, there was something extraordinary about the family that I, I, I didn't know. And maybe I would have used the word, they were a really good family, but the word good always feels a bit of a lame word. Um, but there was something really, really different about them. And over a little bit of time, I ended up in a church in London. This is when Mark and I were students, um, way back when. And um, I had been invited to a meeting. I don't know how I got to the meeting. I have no idea because I didn't like Christians. I didn't like churches. Um, so who knows? But I ended up in a, in a, a church. And I walked in to a picture of something that was not in my head at all. So the church was full of young people. Um, they were all worshipping. The music was amazing. There was this presence in the, the place that I'd walked into that I, I'd never experienced before in my life. I was absolutely overwhelmed. And all I could describe, the words I had, was this deep sense of love and acceptance. That, that's all I had. I didn't have any gospel you know, stories or anything to hold on to. But I walked in and I had this amazing sense that my father God loved me and all was going to be okay. And it then took uh, the rest of that evening, floods of tears, crying on the floor, giving my life to Jesus at the end of it. And then a long time afterwards, unpacking what on earth I just committed myself to. Um, but I will never forget the presence of God in that way, in that, that, that beautiful picture of how good God is and still is. And Mark and I, we kind of, we, we met young. We were both 18 when we met each other. We got married. We kind of grew up trying to figure out what God wanted for us. We lived in a, a church environment where people were uh, amazingly supportive. It was all around the time of all the Toronto stuff. So that was kind of the norm. There was lots of things going on. And eventually we kind of went off, left, left, um, our studies and pursued life. Um, and it was, it was good good life we, we, we had some ups and downs everybody has ups and downs but it was a good life but a few years ago after kids after we'd been in church leadership for a, a bit of time things went bad we had some really bad stuff happen to us as a family and it was really hard because I knew that my father was good and I really knew that but horrible things had happened to me and Mark and my family. 
And I could not get my head around how that would happen. I didn't think, like a lot of us, we don't think hard things happen to us. And I started to doubt that God was good. Maybe he was good some of the time. Maybe um, he would be good if we did things in the right way. Um, maybe he was good um, on certain days of the week. I don't know. You start thinking all these odd things. But my pain had meant that I'd kind of gone up into my head somewhere and I was just swimming in, in doubt. And um, it was really hard. And I, I'm aware that my story is not a great big different story to anybody else here. I think everybody's had things that have been difficult. And, and yet... God is good. God revealed himself to Moses and he showed his goodness. He demonstrated that he was good God. So going back to that stick of rock, wherever you break the rock, it's always the same characteristics, always the same nature and attributes all the way through. They never change. So what did I do? Well, I got to such a state that I couldn't do anything really I had my first experience of depression I've had my first experience of panic attacks getting myself so paranoid and worried about absolutely everything in the world caving in that I didn't do anything and it was in that place that I met my good loving father who scooped me up put my feet back on solid ground showed me how much he loved me and all the mess and all the stuff that I thought could never ever be the same again slowly he has been rebuilding and I have been absolutely amazed by the goodness that has come through in every single way in every part and every bit of detail of my life, good and amazing God. Why am I telling you all this? I sing that, I, I lead worship, I sing God's good all the time. It's like an ointment that we need constantly. Because if we don't allow the Spirit to remind us constantly of how good He is, the hardness creeps in and we might not allow ourselves to think stuff, but our hearts certainly um, start to harden in, in areas where we've got pain or frustration or disappointment or bitterness. There's loads and loads of things I could list. But Mark said at the beginning, and, and I think he's absolutely right, that one of the things we need to do is we need to put our focus on him and not on our problems. And, and what I experienced in the, my pit was getting to such a point where I, I couldn't do anything. I was unable to do anything anymore, and I couldn't fight stuff, I couldn't do anything, and all I had was nothing. And in that place, I met my good God. So, why have I told you all this stuff? I was reminded of, um, do you remember The Last Battle, um, C.S. Lewis's book? And I don't know whether you, how well you know that um, story and I've talked about this before in, a, in another preach but the bit where the dwarves 
right at the very end where everybody's walking into Aslan's country. He's just um, uh, won the battle and got rid of the imposter. But the dwarves are all sitting in a circle. Do, do you remember this? And they absolutely point blank refuse to acknowledge that Jesus, um, that Aslan has won the battle. And they believe that they're still imprisoned in this stable. So they can't see what's going on. And Lucian and the others are like, why are, the, why are those dwarves behaving like that? Can't they come in? And Aslan's like, of course they can, but they, they choose not to see what's going on. And I think it's all too easy to allow ourselves not to see how good he is and often it's it's the hurt and the pain and the disappointment and the you know and often it's it's little things chip chip chipping away very very slowly very slowly and you don't sort of realize until you then find it difficult in a circuit situation to give your heart to Jesus to fully um, engage with him again so I was I had two pictures when I was praying about this preach. The first one was just uh, a big cup, and the cup was just allowing God to come and fill and just come in and do whatever he wanted to do. And it's like almost like our hearts being wide open. But as a church family, we're, we're open and ready for whatever he wants to do. And then the second bit, picture I had was of a plunger and just God unblocking things. Um, stuff that's kind of got in the way and him pulling all that stuff out so that we can be open and free and allow him into every bit of our heart. Does that make sense? That kind of, I don't know, with, 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 we're kind of doing garden tidying up at the moment and I've done a bit of spring cleaning and it's that, you know, it's that annual time just to have some time with the Lord and go, okay, Lord, what have I allowed to creep in? You know, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do afresh in me?